Welcome to Awaken Life Church podcast. For more information about our church, please visit awakenlifechurch.net. We hope you enjoy this message by Daniel Willett. Good morning, good morning. And it's been an awesome day already. And uh, what a joy it is to just come into the Lord's presence and just celebrate with the body of Christ. Amen? You thought that uh, Disneyland was the happiest place on earth? You were wrong. It's Awaken Life Church. You didn't know that? It's the happiest place on earth. Disneyland is second. So, um, you know, my wife and I, we've traveled 19 days this month, and we haven't been able to do that in, you know, what, years, right? Yeah. And uh, so it was just really awesome, refreshing. We spent a couple weeks in Oregon with Joy's sister, and uh, had a great time there. And then we just came back from Redding. We were in Redding, California, um, during the car fires. Um, we were actually driving up from uh, Sacramento. And even in Sacramento, you could see the smoke. And we didn't really realize that Redding was on fire until we got to Redding. And it was the, the day we got into Redding, it's the first day that the fire was really coming into the town. And people were just panicked. You could feel it in the air. Um, when we got to Reading, you could barely see the sun. I mean, there was like billows of smoke wouldn't do it uh, justice. It was like the sky was covered. And uh, it was literally raining ash in the city. And so we, we got to like our Airbnb where we were staying. And as we're pulling into our Airbnb, all the neighbors we see are leaving. So like, we're like, huh, we're coming into Reading. Everybody else is leaving Reading. And it was a, an interesting experience to say the least. Um, so we ended up leaving and going back to Sacramento. We drove two hours to Reading. We drove back to Sacramento and stayed the night there and then came back into Reading. And, and uh, yeah, interesting experience. They were doing uh, like shutdowns of the, the electricity, different, you know, randomly. And so I went to go to Walmart. And as I pull up to Walmart, I see the Walmart sign go. And then people start piling out of Walmart because Walmart's pitch black because the electricity's out. And so, yeah, it was interesting. Just everywhere you go, it was like a movie. Like, people were just staring at the sky, and there's helicopters and fire trucks and smoke everywhere, and you could barely breathe. And so, interesting experience. Um, we got to uh, attend Bethel Church um, on that Sunday, which was like, what, three days after we got there. And as a, as a leader, it was just a great experience to see Pastor Bill and how he just fathered um, not just the church, but the city of Reading through that. And uh, it was just a, a beautiful thing to see. So many lost their homes. There was people there uh, on Sunday morning that had lost their home, had burned down. And, uh, and then there were other people there that were like just so joyful that they didn't lose their home. And so it was awesome to see Pastor Bill just kind of address, you know, these people that are just so grateful that, are, that their house is okay and then other people that their house is gone. And he was just uh, talked about, you know, we mourn with those who mourn and rejoice with those who rejoice. And it's not okay to rejoice. Like, you know, during this time, if you've, if you've not lost your home. And so it was just a good experience. But it's good to be back. Oh, yeah, yes. Thank you for that correction. It, it is okay. That's what I meant to say. It is okay to rejoice when, when your home has been saved. And that's what he was talking about. About, um, you know, we don't have to come under this, um, this, this spirit of, uh, like, like uh, what's the word? Just like, yeah, trauma and all these things. But we can mourn with those who mourn, but rejoice with those who rejoice. And it's, a, it's an interesting balance. So it was an interesting experience. 
And I wanted to say something else. Um, I just want to say what an amazing church we have. Uh, and I'm talking about all y'all, all you guys. Um, we had Pastor Romboli. How many were here when Pastor Romboli was here a few weeks ago? Um, we took up an offering for him. And we had the most amazing offering for our small little church to give to him to take back to India. And I was just so amazed by how much you guys gave. Um, yeah, everybody gave. It seems like just everybody gave something. And uh, we were really able to bless him. And uh, as you know, like that money goes right into those Bibles that he's getting for that community. Um, what's the community? Magihi, Magihi tribe. And so, man, we were just so proud of our church and just like, we were just beside ourselves to see how much we were able to give him. He was blessed by that. So let's go ahead and pray. Father God, I just thank you so much that we can come into your presence this morning with joy. Father God, that your kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. We thank you that we don't have to come with a somber, serious attitude, but God, that you're inviting us into your presence of joy. So God, we just thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done. God, we just pray for a blessing over this word this morning, that this word would go deep into our hearts. Father God, that it's a, a word that's going to take us out of foreboding spirit. It's going to take us out of feeling like we have to be serious as a Christian. It's going to take us out of every anxiety and every fear that we feel like is, is holding us back in our life, but that we would know this morning your joy over us and your celebration of your children. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I got a, a good title this morning. The title of the message is, Welcome to the Party. <laughs> Welcome to the Party. I want to invite you to the party today. Welcome to the party. How many know that God actually enjoys partying? He invented feasting. He invented joy. He invented celebration. Amen? If, that, if the title of the message offends you, welcome to the party, just switch celebration. Welcome to the celebration. God loves to party. He loves to celebrate. And we need to learn how to celebrate as a church. We need to learn how to celebrate as a church community. We need to turn the old religious attitude of church is a place where we come and feel sad. We need to turn that on its head because the kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So when we get to heaven, it's not going to be a time of sadness. It's going to be a time of rejoicing. And we're called to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. Amen. So we should be experiencing joy in our community, amen? So God is bringing us into a place of celebration, and I was just so blessed to see what happened during worship today. I don't know if you guys noticed, but that was a shift. That was a shift that we've seen in our church today, and it's just a confirmation. God's like, I am bringing celebration back to the church. He never took it away, by the way. We did. Religion did. And he's like, I want my people to celebrate. I want them rejoicing, amen? And it doesn't mean we have a, a, the fake Christian smile either. We're going to go through trauma. We're going to go through uh, issues like what Reading just went through. And we will mourn with those who mourn when it's time to mourn. But we will rejoice in the presence, amen? So we want to, God is calling us to steward joy, amen? What a pleasure that we get to steward joy. And I feel like in so many people's lives, 
The enemy is warring against joy. Because what does the Bible say? Nehemiah 8.10. The joy of the Lord is your strength. What does the enemy want? Your strength. Once you're, once you're saved and you're going to heaven, he knows he can't take that from you. But now he's after your strength. He wants you to be ineffective. So he goes after your source of strength, the joy of the Lord. Amen? So God is calling us into celebration. And we need to learn how to celebrate as a church. So there are some adjustments that we need to make before we can learn to celebrate and to enter into celebration. I, th I think about chiropractors. You know, when adjustments are made, the pain can heal, and then you can perform again to your fullest potential. So God wants to make some adjustments in our hearts and in our minds so that we can celebrate again. So that we can celebrate well, so that the pain can heal and that we can begin to celebrate. Did you know that God celebrates you? Some people are like, that's uncomfortable. I don't want to be celebrated. I know someone, even uh, a friend of ours, it's like, I don't, birthdays, that's uncomfortable. I don't want to be celebrated. But do you know that God celebrates you? He actually is rejoicing over you, celebrating you. I talked about the prodigal son during worship. But man, he did not expect to come back to a party. He did not expect to come back to a party. He's like, has his speech all worked up. And he probably feels so ashamed of what he's done. And he's lost all the money that, he, that was, in, was his inheritance. And he's coming back and he's like, okay, maybe my father will just let me be a servant. And I'll just, I'll just be a servant. At least I'm going to have meals. At least I'll be taken care of. He did not expect to get hit with a party. He got hit that day. How many have ever gotten hit with joy? Just like, he just got hit. Okay, so he got hit that day. He's like, what is going on? I've just messed everything up, and I'm coming back to a party? They're, they're like throwing a big feast for me? This is, what is going on? He probably felt like, I don't deserve this. I've, I've just blown it. So that's, that's kind of the lie we believe as Christians is like, man, if we party, that means we're not feeling sad for the things that we've done or for the mistakes that we've made. And the father's actually like, no, actually when you come into this party, it's actually healing your soul. It's actually bringing water back to you. It's actually allowing you to let go of those things that you've been holding on to, those struggles, those issues. He's like, man, you thought you were finding life there. Life is here. Come into this party. Amen? So we don't have to hold on to this religious condemnation of like, if I don't feel bad about myself, then something's wrong. Man, I've been there. If I don't constantly feel bad about something I've done wrong, then something's wrong. I got to find something to feel bad about. And there's a whole group of Christians, and I've seen this, and I, I actually have a lot of compassion for this now. But there's a whole group of the body of Christ that's like, oh, hurt me, pastor. Hurt me, pastor. I, I want to feel the pain. It's not God. It's not God. God, the kingdom of heaven is joy. Amen? So God celebrates you. And he wants to celebrate you, and he wants us to get good at celebrating each other. He wants us to get good at celebrating each other. You know, a great prayer to pray is this. Lord, give me your heart for those around me. Give me your heart. Give me your vision. What do you see when you see the people around me? 
Help me to see things the way you do. Because God celebrates us and he wants to open our eyes to see how he sees each one of us and be like, oh man, I just, I see you, Dom. Like, man, that what's inside of you, that's awesome and let's celebrate it. Man, that art, that creativity, that engineering mind that you have, that's amazing. Let's celebrate it. Let's celebrate it. That's how God's heart is towards us. Amen? You know, I think of the Academy Awards, like all the Hollywood getting together, and they, what do they do? They celebrate each other. Amen? And I feel like even just when, as I was processing that, I'm like, wow, that thing that they do, how they celebrate each other, that's actually good. Like, there's so many things that I don't agree with about Hollywood. There's so many, you know, movies that nobody should ever watch. <laughs> there's so many things that they stand for that I'm completely against. But that thing that they've grabbed onto, that's good. That they celebrate each other well. The world should not celebrate each other more than the body of Christ celebrates each other. Amen? We can grab onto that thing and say, man, they celebrate each other well. Let's grab onto that. That's God's heart. He wants to celebrate his children. Amen? How many have kids? How many want to celebrate their kids? Amen? Amen. We want to celebrate our kids, especially you see little babies. We've got one right now. And as he's learning to walk, we're just, he takes one step. We're like, oh, my goodness. Good job, buddy. <laughs> good job. Amen. We celebrate our children. Every little thing they do, we're celebrating them. That's God's heart. God's put that inside of us. The world shouldn't be better at celebrating than Christians. Amen. We have so much to celebrate. We have so much more to celebrate. I think of my grandpa who was 96 years old, and uh, on Christmas Eve, the Lord gave him a dream. And in the dream, um, these two angels came to him, and he was, getting, he was at the very end of his life. And so these two angels came to him in the dream, and they said, we're getting ready to take you home. And one of them had like a plaque that they were holding. He couldn't see what it was until they walked away. And he saw when they were walking away, it had his name on it. He called everybody in the family the next day. Actually, he had a, the dream on December 23rd. On Christmas Eve, he called everybody in the family. And he was excited. He's like, I'm going home to be with Jesus. He's like celebrating. He's like, I think I'm going home on Christmas Day. And he was excited. And even all his kids were like, no, Dad, we don't want you to go home on, on Christmas Day. And he's like, I want to go home and see Jesus. And he was excited. Amen. We have so much to celebrate. Amen. Not even death can, can hold us back. Amen? We can't be afraid of even death because death is something greater than what we have now. Amen? When we have a hard time celebrating others, it's usually pointing back to an area of our own insecurity. And I've been there. Been there. My God, why can't I celebrate with this person right now? What is this? And when, when you dig deep, it's usually pointing back to an area of your own insecurity where you don't feel affirmed, you don't feel celebrated. So when you don't feel like celebrating someone else, it's an invitation to get alone with God. Get alone with God. God, where don't I, why don't I feel like celebrating? Where do, where do I feel not celebrated, not affirmed? And he'll show you, he'll speak to you. Amen? It's an invitation. Anytime we struggle, it's an invitation. It's an invitation. I remember that changed our marriage. 
we were having uh, marriage counseling. And by the way, we still have marriage counseling. And if you need help in your marriage, go to marriage counseling. Amen. There is no shame in counseling. Amen. We want to continue to grow. We want an inheritance to pass down to our children of how to do marriage well. Amen. And one of the things that was said in marriage counseling to us is, what if these issues that you're having, what if it's actually an invitation from God to get closer to him? And that just changed my mind. I'm like, wow, every time I have an issue, instead of being like, this is something I got to get through, I'm like, oh, this is an invitation from the Father to grow closer to him. This is an invitation for more healing. Amen? So when you have a problem celebrating one another, it's an invitation from the Father. Like, hey, come on in. Let me talk to you. Let me tell you where you don't feel celebrated, but I'm still celebrating you. Pastor Joy spoke a couple weeks ago about living a life of celebration. And I just feel like we're just supposed to continue with that, that theme, that we are supposed to live a life of celebration. If you haven't heard that message, if you missed it, go listen to it. It's on our podcast. So there may be some adjustments that God wants to make in our hearts today so that he can move us into a life of celebration. So I feel like God gave me a few things. So number one, to celebrate We have to learn to get vulnerable. We have to learn to get vulnerable. Who has the most fun at parties? Person who's not afraid of what anybody thinks of them. (laughs) (laughs) Not afraid to be vulnerable. Like, this is me. Hey, how are you? That's who has the most fun at parties. They're not afraid to be themselves. Are not afraid to be vulnerable. They're like, this is who I am. Take it or leave it. If we're going to be a powerful church where lives, where marriages, relationships, and hearts get healed, we're going to have to learn to be vulnerable with each other. And we're going to have to learn to be vulnerable with God. He's a gentleman. He doesn't force his way into our issues. We have to come to him and be vulnerable. God, help me with this. I'm struggling. He's not going to be down the door. Amen? He waits. He gently knocks. Hey, I can help you with that. You want to let me in? We have to invite him in vulnerably. God, I don't have it all figured out. I need help. Amen? We have to learn to be vulnerable before we can celebrate ourselves and one another. Living a life where we're vulnerable with each other and with God is a courageous and powerful life. Do you want to know what courage is? Vulnerability. Going to someone and saying, hey, I'm struggling. Would you pray for me? That's courage. That's courage. Being in a group of people and saying, man, I have this issue. I need prayer. I need help. That's real courage. We've, we've believed for so long a lie of like, oh, courage is I pretend I don't have any issues. That's courage. No, that's cowardice. It's hiding. And I've been there. But it's so freeing to come out and be vulnerable and be like, hey, I need help. I'm inviting you into my life. I'm inviting counsel into my life. I'm inviting you to pray for me. That's courage. So we need to learn to get vulnerable 
And that's actually what courage looks like. If you have your Bibles or your iPhones, open to 1 John or Android, Google phone, they're all acceptable. I use all of them, except for Android, and I'll use that. <laughs> 1 John chapter 1. If you do have a digital version, I'm, I'm reading from the NASB. 1 John chapter 1, we're going to read verses 5, 6, 7, and 8. Let's just hone in on these four verses real quick. So this is a passage that I used to totally misunderstand. And once I understood it, it changed my life. So let me just give you some definitions before we read it, and it's going to help us understand what's being said. So the word fellowship in this, in this passage, it's the word koinonia. And there's a lot that can be said about koinonia, but it means being known. Fellowship, koinonia, being known. It means like that moment that I go to someone and I say, hey, I'm struggling with X. This has been a struggle for me. Could you, could you agree with me in prayer? And I'm opening myself up. I'm making myself known. That's koinonia, being known. That's what the word fellowship is in this context. Now, there's two other things. One's walking in darkness, and the other phrase is walking in light. So I used to read this, and I read, when I would read walking in darkness, I would, I would think, oh, that means you're in sin. You're in sin. You're walking in sin. And I would read walking in light, and I would, I would read, oh, that means you're not walking in sin. Okay, so that's not at all what it means. Okay, walking in light I'm sorry, walking in darkness, it means hiding. You're hiding. You're not, you're not walking and being transparent or vulnerable with people. You're hiding pieces of yourselves. You're walking in darkness. Walking in light means you are being known by God and community. You're putting yourself out there. You're like, I'm not going to hide this issue. I'm not going to hide the things that are going on in my marriage. I'm going to have someone that I talk to. I'm going to be known in my community. I'm going to go to God, and I'm going to say, God, help me with this. That's walking in light. Okay, so let's read that passage. 1 John chapter 1, start at verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and announced to you, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship, koinonia, with him, and yet walk in darkness, hiding, we lie, and we do not practice the truth. Verse 7, But if we walk in the light, allow ourselves to be known, as he himself is in the light, he has made himself known to us, then we have fellowship, koinonia, with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. This is a really power verse if you can, powerful verse if you can grab onto this this morning. This is basically what this is saying. When you choose to walk in koinonia with God and with man, that's walking in the light. Leave darkness, leave the darkness of hiding. Choose to walk in the light with God and man. He has promised to cleanse you from sin. Now this phrase, cleanse you from sin, this is not the cleansing of sin that happens when you give your heart to Jesus. How many know that when you give your heart to Jesus, you are considered dead to sin? Dead to sin, alive to righteousness. Jesus Christ exchanges all of his righteousness for all of your sin. And you are the righteousness of God in Christ. That becomes your identity. You become righteous. So this isn't talking about 
the cleansing of sin of the, when we were saved. But this word cleanse, it's actually the same word that's used when it says Jesus cleansed the lepers. He healed them. Amen? He made them well. This, when it talks about cleansing and sin in this context, it's saying that those deep issues, those things that we struggle with, those, those things in marriage, those things that we've been working on our whole life, it says when we decide to walk in the light, make ourselves known, God has promised to cleanse us from those deep issues in our life, to heal us from those deep issues in life. This is a powerful promise. This is one that will change your life. Because so many people are hiding in the church, not vulnerable. They're like, well, I can't tell anybody this. I can't bring this one on the light. And God is saying, walk in the light. Let me tell you a crazy scripture, James 5.16. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. It didn't say, confess your sins to God that you may be healed. Now, there's other scripture that says that. But there's a reason that in this scripture he said, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you be healed. Same type of healing. Those deep, deep things. When you're hiding, you're walking in shame. You're walking in in pride, thinking that it's protecting you. When actually, when God's calling us out into the light, he says, when you come out into the light with God and with man, you're inviting my healing into your life. Amen? Yes. So to celebrate, we have to learn to get vulnerable. We have to learn to walk in the light. Now, I'm not saying that you should just stand up today after church and just confess everything you've ever done to every single person in the church. <laughs> That's not wisdom. And everybody, that you, that everybody around you in, in a church body can't handle everything that you, is going on in your life. They can't handle the... There's, there's going to be people that can't handle that information, and they will use it to hurt you. But you need to ask the Lord, God, who in my community am I supposed to open up to? Who am I supposed to open up to about things in my life, about my marriage, about things that I struggle with, things going on in my work? Who, and He will show you. He will reveal to you who, you're, who you can open up to. Amen? We have people that, man, they know us. Like... In fact, between my wife and I, this wasn't always true, but there's nothing hidden anymore. Like, she knows, good, bad, and the ugly. If I'm struggling with something, I tell my wife. Because we just made a decision we're not going to hide. We're not going to hide. We're going to walk in light. I've got four or five men in my life that I just, I can open up to. I can tell them good, bad, and ugly. And if you've never done that, if you've never opened up to people, here's here's what I found in my own experience. We hide behind this lie. If people knew who I was and what I really struggle with, they wouldn't love me. So here's what I found is when I started opening up to the people that God showed me I was supposed to open up to, all those people knew all my junk and they chose to love me through my junk. And it broke and destroyed that lie that if, you, if people know you, they won't love you. You know when you have that and you just you have a mask on, like no one's going to really know me. And there was a time in my life where no one really knew me, including my wife. I, I didn't realize it, but I had walls up with everybody. And so when you have this mask on of, of you're pretending to be someone, even if you're getting love, ultimately this is what you say to yourself, well, they just love the mask. They're just loving fake me. Like if they really knew me, they wouldn't love me. So when you bring those walls down, and it's not easy sometimes, especially if you've never done it, it's a, it's a huge trust with the Lord. Like, I'm choosing to bring these walls down. 
and I'm going to risk connection and walking in the light. And when you do that, you will find that lie destroyed. You're like, wow, now I'm, I'm known fully and I'm still loved. And in fact, I found in my relationships, all those relationships deepened. So not only was I not loved, not rejected, but I was brought closer in those relationships. The enemy wants us to hide in darkness. So koinonia means, that, means to be vulnerable, not just transparent. And there's a big difference between transparency and vulnerability. Let me tell you the difference. So if I were to say to you, sometimes I drink until I black out. And I don't care what anybody thinks about it. That's transparent, right? I didn't, I didn't have to share that information with you, if that were true. That's transparent. Like, hey, I drink till I black out sometimes, and so what? If I were to say, hey, sometimes I drink until I black out and I need help, that's vulnerable. You see the difference? Like, one's like, oh, you, you can know what's going on with me. Like, this is what's going on with me, whatever. I don't need your input. That's transparency. Vulnerability is like, hey, this is what's going on with me. I'm allowing you to speak into my life. Amen? I'm allowing you to comment, to help, to pray for me. That's vulnerability. The older I get, the more that I realize how badly that I need Jesus. And not just Jesus, but the community that he's put me in. How badly I need people. And man, God has used so many people to bring healing into our lives. And it happens through vulnerability and community. So shame and pride are the two things that keep us from being vulnerable. Shame and pride keep us from entering into celebration. And again, it's that voice, if people knew me, if they knew what I'm struggling with, they wouldn't love me. So being vulnerable is letting down those walls of shame or pride that we believe protect us and choose to be known. That's why we have these walls of I'm not going to let people in because we think they protect us. Like this is what protects me from hurt. And usually it comes from something that has happened to us in the past where we let that wall down and we got hurt and we're like, nope, not let anybody in like that anymore. And so now we believe this is, our, this is my protection. Shame, pride, like, I'm going to hold it up. No one's going to get past this point. And again, I did that even in my marriage. I didn't realize it. But I re- when God showed it, revealed it to me, I realized, oh my gosh, I'm doing this to my wife. She can't get past this certain point. I'm not allowing her to even really know me. So in essence, what we do is we partner with those walls. We partner with shame. We partner with pride saying, this is my protection. Instead of saying, God, you're my protection. You're telling me to walk in light. I'm going to lower those protection walls, the things that I feel like protect me, and I'm going to risk being vulnerable with the people that you've showed me to. Being vulnerable is a place of humility. It's a place of humbleness. And this verse just has been in my mind for months. God gives grace to the humble. God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. Man, if you need more grace, come into humility and vulnerability. He's like waiting to pour out his grace. God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. So here's what's really exciting. We're a young church, 
And we get to create the type of culture that we want to be a part of. We get to create the culture that we want to be a part of. And I, I sincerely and wholeheartedly believe that part of being a healthy culture is learning to be a vulnerable culture. Amen? Vulnerability is so important to be in a healthy culture. we got to take off the Christian smile, the Christian mask. It's okay to not be okay. It's okay to not be okay. It's okay to struggle. It's okay to go through things. Amen? Man, can I tell you? I don't have a perfect marriage. Pastor Joy's perfect, but I have issues. <laughs> I don't have a perfect marriage. I don't have, I have moments where I'm really disappointed in my reactions. Like, wow, could have handled that better. But now I realize it's always an invitation. It's always an invitation to go, God, I'm not there yet. I need help. What am I missing? Amen. I have people that I call and say, pray for me. Because yesterday, I don't even know if I was a Christian. I'm, I'm joking, of course, but didn't seem like it. Pray for me. So in this community, we get to choose to have a community where it's okay to not be okay. Where it's okay to come and be like, hey, yeah, my marriage is not good. It's, yeah, we had a crazy knockdown drag out this week. And we need prayer. And that no one's like, oh, let me, let me tell you what you're doing wrong in marriage. Let me just help you. But people are just going to come around you and just say, well, we've all been there. Let's pray for you. And then obviously I'm not saying that, you know, you don't have people in your life that speak into your life. You do, and that's great when you have that. But my point is it's not a, a place where you're shamed for struggling. It's a place where you're embraced. And I'm like, welcome to humanity. Yeah. We all struggle. Yeah. Amen. So we're not going to be controlled by shame or stuck in pride, but instead we're going to choose vulnerability. We want to be a, a community of vulnerability. So to celebrate well, we have to be able to be, a, uh, we have to choose vulnerability. So number one. Number two is to celebrate, we have to take our eyes off of our problems. To celebrate well, we've got to take our eyes off of our junk, our stuff, our issues, and put it on something else. Turn to Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. Giving attention to our problems or our issues will keep us from celebrating. It will keep us from healing. Acts chapter 3. We're going to read verse 1 to verse 10. Everybody there? Everybody okay? Okay, just checking. Acts chapter 3, let's start at verse 1. It says, Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the ninth hour, the hour of prayer. And a man who had been lame from his mother's womb was being carried along, whom they used to set down every day at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, in order to beg alms of those who were entering the temple. Listen to this, verse 3. When he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he began asking to receive alms. But Peter, along with John, fixing his gaze on him, said, Look at us. 
don't know if it says it in your translation, but my translation has an exclamation point. It says, look at us. Look at us. And he began to give them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I do not possess silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus, walk. And he seized him by the right hand, raised him up, and immediately his feet and his ankles were strengthened. With a leap, he stood upright and began to walk, and he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they were taking note of him as being one, uh, the one who used to sit at the beautiful gate of the temple to beg alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. So the Lord, I read this a few years ago, and the Lord gave me a picture of this. This guy's been crippled his entire life. His legs have never worked. And every day he would sit in this spot and he would beg alms. And what kind of position do you think you would be in? Every day, you're just in this place. Where's his attention? His attention is on what doesn't work. Oh, there's those legs of mine that have never worked. They're broken. I'm broken. And his focus was on what was broken his whole life. And you imagine, feel so much compassion for him. And Peter comes along. And by the way, he didn't have his head up, we know, because it said, they said, look at him. And then he said, he began to give them his attention. He was like this. And Peter's like, look at us. Take your eyes off what is broken. Take your eyes off what is not working. Look at us. And to learn to celebrate well, we have to take our eyes off of what's not working. We have to take our eyes off of what's been broken, what's, what we're ashamed of. He probably was so ashamed. It's like, my legs don't work. They're broken. And constantly, every day, his attention is on what's broken. Peter says, look at us. And he began to give them his attention. Then he expected to receive something from them. Amen? And then Peter raised him up, and his legs and his ankles, they strengthened. And then he was leaping and praising and jumping and dancing. Amen? He took his eyes off of his problem, and he set his focus on his answer, Jesus and Peter and John. And he expected, when he took his eyes off his problem, when he finally looked at something else, he's like, oh, I'm getting ready to receive something. He expected to receive. So we need to take our focus off of our problem and focus our eyes on him and expect to receive something from him. God, I'm not going to focus on the problem. I'm not going to focus on the issue. I'm going to focus on you. Amen? Doesn't mean we ignore things in our life. We're like, okay, that's there. But I know what the answer is. And I'm not going to put my attention and focus on there, which is going to pull me down to discouragement. I'm going to focus on my answer and, and see that thing healed in my life. Amen. And we can dance and leap and praise even before the answer comes. Amen? Yeah. So to celebrate, we have to take our eyes off of our problem. Number one, we have to learn to be vulnerable to celebrate. Number two, we have to take our eyes off of our problem and put it on God. Number three, to celebrate, we need to know that God is celebrating us. 
He's celebrating us. Father God loves to celebrate his children. I'm going to read a verse, Zephaniah 3.17. It says, For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. Let me sing that again. For the Lord your God is living among you. He's here right now. He is a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. That phrase, rejoice over you, literally means this, to dance, skip, leap, spin around in joy. So God is literally dancing, skipping, leaping, spinning around you with joy. What does that sound like? Sounds like a party. (laughs) It sounds like celebration. He's like celebrating over you. He's like skipping, dancing, jumping over you, singing songs over you. He is celebrating you. I love this quote by Graham Cook. It's, it's a, it's, the quote was from that verse, Zephaniah 3.17, that I just read. And he says this about that verse. He says, there's nothing here that says God will rejoice over you only if you feel like rejoicing in him. He plans on celebrating you regardless because his love never changes, never fades, and never comes to an end. God's ability to rejoice is based on who he is, not on our response. So basically, you are destined to be rejoiced over whether you feel like it or not. (laughs) You are destined to be rejoiced over. You are destined to be rejoiced over. Welcome to the party. Welcome to the party. You don't have to live this life of like, oh man, I got to check all these boxes before I can come in and celebrate. It's like, it's like, man, when the prodigal son came home, he's like, son, I got a list for you, buddy. When you can check all these boxes, then I might throw a feast for you, right? That's what happened, right? No, he's like, come on into the party! (laughs) You thought you found the party out there? This is the real party. Come on into the party. There's love here, unconditional love. There's peace, there's rejoicing, there's celebration here. And entering into celebration is actually what brings healing. Amen? It's okay to celebrate. It's okay to celebrate. It's okay to have joy. Even if you don't have it all together... I mean to tell you a secret. Nobody does. Let me tell you a marriage secret. Nobody's marriage is perfect. Nobody's got it all figured out. It's a journey for all of us. And it's okay to celebrate, even in the midst of struggle. Amen? We can focus on the struggle. I've been there. I'm like, wow, this is this is happening here, so I'm just gonna get sucked into this negative vortex and just downward spiral. Or I could be like, okay, that's happening, but I'm not going to put my focus on that. I'm going to celebrate. I'm going to celebrate. I'm going to come in church on Sunday, and I'm going to dance and sing and jump around and say, God, you're my answer. I'm focusing on you, not the vortex of negativity. Amen? Amen? So number one, to celebrate, we have to learn to get vulnerable. We get to be a part of a community where we don't have to wear the fake Christian smile. 
I'm so thankful for that. Yeah. I'm so thankful for that. Number two, to celebrate, we have to take our eyes off of our problem and put it on God. Number three, to celebrate, we need to know who is celebrating with us. God. God is celebrating us. Whether we want to be celebrated or not, he's rejoicing over us. Amen. Let me pray for you this morning. Father God, help us to enter into joy. Enter into your celebration. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Teach us, God. Teach us how to celebrate. Teach us how to live in, in joy, even when things aren't right. Teach us how to choose joy and celebration over negativity and anxiety and stress. God, we want to be a community of joy. We want to be a community that rejoices and mourns with those who mourn when it's time to mourn, but a community that rejoices when it's time to rejoice that knows how to have joy, that knows how to steward celebration and joy and peace. God, grow us as a community. Teach us to be vulnerable, to take off the fakeness. Teach us how to reach out to those who you're showing us to reach out to, to let people speak into our life. Teach us how to be vulnerable with you even, though, even if we're afraid to. God, we want a, a, a new level of vulnerability and celebrating and joy to come into our church. God, we want to build a foundation of celebration. So we're just asking you, God, we're coming vulnerably right now and saying we don't know how to do it. Probably most of us here have not had that demonstrated in our life. We don't know how to do it, but we want it. We want celebration, we want joy, we want to be vulnerable and be real. Help us. Amen.